Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is up, Wizards fans? Welcome to another Believe in Wizards podcast. I'm your host, Matt Moderno. It's almost Thanksgiving. The thing I am probably most thankful for as a Wizards fan has been knocking on wood the health of Kristaps Porzingis and the performance of Kristaps Porzingis so far. I think what he's done has really been the biggest needle mover for this team being competent and competitive. And yeah, he's been kind of bad offensively the last two games, I would say. But his defensive impact can't be sort of overstated at this point. I think he's just sort of the one that cleans up everybody's messes. They're funneling everybody to him. I think everything the Wizards want to do defensively is predicated on KP being, you know, this flexible, big, tall, lanky guy that's deterring people from shooting at the rim. And that's kind of what I want to focus on on today's episode. So fortunately, my friend Matt Issa wrote an article this week for fan-sided about Kristaps Porzingis and his impact and why he should be an all-star. So Matt's going to come on and, and talk to us about that. Matt's writing all over the place. You've probably seen his content. He does a great job. Uh, he writes for fan-sided, SB Nation, SBA, Basketball News, Forbes, Sports, all kinds of stuff, and just puts a lot of thought into like you know his coverage of the team and his analysis. So I, I think he had some really great stuff in here. I will plug the article again in the episode description. Before we get to our conversation with Matt, just want to replug our Capital City Go-Go game on December 9th. Slowly but surely selling a couple more tickets here as it gets closer to, and I guess people's you know plans and schedules solidify. But you got about two weeks left here to get your ticket. Please come join us. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Again, Capital City Go-Go is 6-2 and two right now. 5-2, and 6-2, and two, I forget at the moment. Uh, they're really, really good, and they'll be one of the better teams in the G League. Still seems like we're going to see plenty of Johnny Davis play for the Go-Go. There's your opportunity to see him and Isaiah Todd. And Quentin Jackson and Chris Dunn and Vernon Carey, all these people get actual minutes and just kind of make your mind up for yourself about what these guys are, what their futures are. I know a lot of people have takes on all those players I just mentioned, but haven't actually watched them. And I think watching them in person is an even better way to kind of get a feel for for what they look like. I, I think you'll see that some of these guys are are higher level athletes and move at a different level than a lot of G League guys. It's just a matter about finding the right fit, right role, getting confident. And just sort of fitting into things. Johnny Davis didn't look particularly good in his Wizards minutes the other night. It sort of was a regression back to like, I am scared to shoot. Should I shoot? What do I do? You can see like the processing speed isn't there the same way it looks for him in the G League right now. So that'll come with time, film study, all that good stuff. They're just going to have to do this slowly but surely and keep giving him a couple minutes here and there and, and seeing if things have started to take hold. But anyway, this is your opportunity to see him for real in a real game and make up your mind for yourself. Again, tickets are $10 through our link. Make sure to use our link so we get credit for, for bringing butts in and putting them in seats. Uh, if you want to get the $40 tickets, they would give you unlimited beer and wine throughout. I'm not sure if I'm going to be allowed to, to drink during this because, well, I guess I have to also sort of host our podcast after and I'm technically going to be there on a media credential, so probably frowned upon. But I hope everybody has lots of adult beverages on my behalf and uh, it'll be a good good opportunity to just hang out as a group. Like I said, we're going to do a podcast after the fact, going to set us up on a little table in the concourse, and we'll just record stuff. And we've got some guests lined up. And I think the more people we get, the better guests the team will help us get as well. So 
should be fun, and we'll just kind of go from there. Uh, all right. Remember, as always, to uh, rate, review, subscribe to the show. Got a couple really good reviews again. And that's just, again, I say this every time. It's really corny, probably, and annoying for you all to listen to. It does mean a lot. I appreciate it. And just, uh, you know, if you have questions or stuff you want us to talk about on the show, as always, like just fire my way wherever you want to do it. There's an email at believeinwizards at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, any of that stuff and send me a DM and we'll just make sure we kind of hit your topic as best we can. Uh, before we get to our interview with Matt, just a word from our sponsor, Bet Online. Basketball is back and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all your sports wagering information, BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to BetOnline.ag today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. And also just one more shameless plug. Uh, check out other Believe podcasts. If there are other NBA teams you you uh, are interested in or just NBA in general, there's there's some more good ones that they're adding. Uh, Rudy Gay does a podcast just sort of about the NBA overall. Lamar Odom does the Lakers podcast. Mario Chalmers does the Heat podcast. Rick Barry does the Warriors podcast. So there's a lot of sort of options for you if there are other teams that you root for. And, uh, you know, just give them a try. All right, with that, let's get to my combo with Matt. Okay, pleased to be joined by Matt Issa. Matt, thanks for coming on. Hey, what's up, Matt? How's it going, man? Uh, half the male population is named Matt, so this is nice and easy for us. You you know, you don't have to try that hard to remember somebody's name when uh, you, it's built in for you. Yeah, but the only difference uh, for the audience, your name, Matt, is spelled with two T's. Mine is one T, the rare uh, lone T wolf. It's smart, man. Uh, you got to differentiate, too. Even if that wasn't how you did it anyway, that would be just like a good move from a content creation standpoint. You stand out from the crowd a little bit more. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Like some of my closest friends on social media, they'll like uh, they'll like reply to some of my tweets with like two T's and I, I kind of get sad. I'm like, I thought I thought we were closer than that. Exactly. But... You know, you know better than this. Yeah. Uh, well, Hopefully they'll they'll get around to it here. You know, slowly but surely people will will pick it up here. And and you're putting out so much content and so many good articles here too. I think uh, the more people start to recognize that, hopefully everybody catches on here with the the one team. Thank you. Uh, first, before we start doing something this season specifically, starting every new guest to the show with this question: If you had to pick a former or current NBA player who your own basketball game sort of most closely resembles, who would you pick? Oh man, it's probably Eric Gordon, this version of Eric Gordon, because Ooh, I, I have like, like a, I have these like tree trunk uh, thighs. Um, and you know, we're both like both kind of stout. He's stout, like relative to the NBA. I'm, I'm stout relative to like real life. I stand at about five, nine, but, um, and then we both, so we both either will drive like and use power or we take really deep three pointers. And then defensively, we kind of get by on like institutional knowledge sure. more so than any like lateral quickness or anything like that. Not too much room protection to speak of. But yeah, I think Eric Gordon's my closest comp. That's awesome, man. That's a really good answer to have handy. You've you've thought about that before. Oh, right? I, trust me. It's not the first time I've been asked. First time I've been asked uh, in a podcast capacity, but been asked a couple of times just by my conglomerates. I love it. That's awesome. 
Uh, I can almost imagine that there's probably no one in the world that responds to that question with Chris Tapps Porzingis, who we're going to spend time on today. I would imagine. Uh, you never know. There could be some 6'11 guy out there on Twitter that that plays just like KP. We'll see. But uh, the unicorn has has kind of lived up to the name again this year. And you wrote an awesome article for Fansided about just how good he's been. And at the very least is like an all-star level player, whether or not he mm-hmm. gets the nod. And I just think it was perfect timing because this is something, you know, Wizards fans are talking a lot about. And I kind of wanted to do a KP focused episode anyway. Uh, the, the team is a plus seven net rating when he plays and he's on the court and minus 13 when he's off the court, which is wild to me. You know, that's a pretty, pretty big swing there. So I guess just general thoughts, Chris Porzingis, how good has he been? What Give us the, the, you know, too long, didn't read version of the article, I guess, here for folks who haven't read it yet, which I hope they will after they hear this. You're going to have to forgive me for this, but Kristaps Porzingis has me believe in, in the Washington Wizards. But um, No, so it was, uh, honestly, I've been, he was one of the guys in the beginning of the season. I have my little whiteboard of like, because I want to write about each team at least once this year. You know, I cover the league at large and under the Wizards topics, potential topics, I did have like KP question mark because I noticed last season he was like pretty solid when he played for you guys. And I'm like, hmm, wait a second here. So then, you know, I think last week I caught myself looking at uh, the EPM leaderboards and I'm like, hold up. Christoph Porzingis is like in the top, you know, 15 at the time. I think he wasn't like, what's going on here? You know, so I start watching and, you know, it becomes like really apparent that this guy is playing like very similar to the, you know, the guy who kind of burst onto the scene in New York and you know became an all-star and so i I figured i had to go deep in and write about him so that's kind of like what got me thinking on that train um should i should i just keep going where where do you want to go with this no i mean i think initial thoughts is great Uh, that Mm -hmm. that's sort of where i'm at too like this is the closest we've seen to new york porzingis and and Mm -hmm. you mentioned this in the article but it's it's something kp himself has talked about how when he got to the Wizards, um, well, when he got to the Mavs, they wanted him to bulk up and add strength. And uh, when he got to Washington, they were like, no, no, no. We want you to get like more limber and flexible and leaner. And the mobility has been like the biggest difference, I think, from what we saw in Dallas. He just, he looks a little bouncier. He looks better laterally. And I think that's allowed him to have like, especially that defensive impact. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess um, you said a couple of good things. We'll start with you mentioned the defense at the end, but I want to start with the offense really quickly in that like the leanness because, okay, in Dallas, like, you know, the whole joke with like the Mavericks was like there was like this big push and pill, like when's Kristaps going to get his post ups, all this and that. And that's kind of why they wanted to bulk up kind of like more of like an Embiid type poster upper. But the thing is like Porzingis, in my eyes, he doesn't really have like, he doesn't have the dream shakes. He doesn't have the sky hooks. He's not like he doesn't have Embiid's bag, you know? So it's like- Turn around and be taller yeah. than you and shoot over you. Exactly. So like he, I call it like a Blitzkrieg post-up because it's like this quick, hard-hitting, it like it'll hit you before you even realize it hits you like super quick, like the Wizards like to do. Um, the game that sticks out in my mind, and we'll talk about the Utah Jazz a little bit more in a second, but against the Utah Jazz where the Jazz were switching everything and- the Wizards are like, cool, let's just run pick and roll with Chris Stops, get like a small to switch on him. Chris Stops in the low block. Like he's just going to shoot over you guys. Seven foot three has one of the highest release points in the NBA. Um, So I think that was like a really big change of like kind of uh, 
just change of uh, deployment. That yeah. difference between the Wizards are using him and the, how the Mavs are using him is just like those quick hitters. And I started thinking because like my my big thing I think with NBA Twitter, an issue I have, and I fall into it myself, is like we have like certain guys that are like you know popular in favor. We have like this echo chamber of thoughts. And one guy, like, and rightfully so, I think he's had an awesome season and his like developmental story is like really just like a wholesome is Laurie Markinen. And, you know, he's had a really, really nice offensive season. But if you like look at the numbers, it's a little bit different now because he like Laurie Markinen went like just God tier on Friday. So it's like skewed some of the data, but him and KP are very similar in terms of their offensive profile. The only noticeable difference, honestly, in my eyes is KP's a better passer um we see that with like his two-man game with Beal which I've I've really liked this season and I've really liked I've really liked Beal's willingness to play more off ball this year but that's that's another another story for a different day but I you know I looked at him like okay so like everyone's talking about Laurie Markkinen offensively but KP's doing the same thing no one you never hear it nationally anywhere yeah exactly and so like that got me kind of interested and then go on the defensive side again, Laurie Markkinen has done so much and this is not like a bashing Laurie mod Markkinen pod, but like he's, he's done a lot to improve himself as a defender, but he's not Chris stops Porzingis. Right. Um, so, you know, uh, the, the wizards, their base, their base, uh, pick and roll coverage is drop. For those of you who don't know, it's basically like a, a pick and roll coverage where the big will like sag back on the screen, try to stay near the paint. It's usually used for guys who are good, like paint protectors, because you want to keep them in the paint. And you know what it reminded me a ton of is the like mid 2000s Houston Rockets with Yao Ming, how they would use him in drop coverage. But the the difference there is that, you know, Yao, seven, five, like 300 pounds. He's the, you know, the great, he's the not great moving wall. or recovering. He's not moving anybody. around. Exactly. And what the Wizards like to do a lot is, They'll do like these late switches or these veer back switches where, you know, their their guards are not the best uh, screen navigators outside of like Goodwin. Denny can be as a screen navigator. But so the guards will will get kind of beat off the screen. They'll have Chris stops switch onto the guard, have the guard kind of late switch onto the big veer back into the big. And they trust Chris stops against these these smaller guys. And, you know, there's going to be times where he's he's going to get beat. He's not like. He's not Evan Mobley by any means, but he's been really impressive in those spots. And I mean, you look at this Wizards defense, I think they're seventh right now. And I think it could be a little bit higher because they're sh- they're suffering from uh, some poor shooting luck, uh, opponent open shots. They're shooting pretty high against this team. And that usually regresses to the mean as the season goes on. So like this, this Wizards team could be a top five defense. And the only guys other than KP, who I would call like good defenders, or, you know, my guy, Denny, and everybody's favorite Washington wizard, uh, Goodwin. So, like, I mean, you can you can point to KP and be like, yeah, he's responsible for a lot of this. Honestly, I think that's, that's huge. And, and that's what I would point to, too. Like, I've been having this sort of semi-debate with some other Wizards fans about, like, I don't know. I've seen the word good used a couple times to describe Bradley Beal's defense this year. And I'm not sure I'm there yet. I've also seen incredible. Willing. I'll say willing. Yeah, willing. There's at least some like visible effort put in this year and it's still selective effort, but that's more than we've seen the last couple of years. To me, the biggest needle mover is Porzingis. And we saw this when Gafford first came to the Wizards. There was this huge uptick defensively because they had like a real rim protector for the first time and probably, I don't know, since Brendan Haywood, which is which is wild. But for for Porzingis, he's been doing this without Delon Wright, probably their best point of attack defender for most of the season. 
Goodwin's been a, a recent addition to the rotation. And and like I think Denny's just not sort of best suited to guard, you know, quicker perimeter players, but we can do the Denny thing later. So Porzingis is kind of doing this alone a lot. And it's not like Cleveland where you have two mobile bigs. It's like everything relies heavily on Porzingis. And I, I think you can't kind of underrate, you know, the impact that he's had so far. Yeah. Um just really quickly with the Beal thing, the one clip that sticks out in my mind, I don't know if you, you, I'm sure you did, you watched Sunday's game against the Hornets, but there was like this one play where they tried to post up uh, PJ Washington on him and he, he, uh, I think he had a swipe down on it. And I just really, that really made me smile because I'm like, man, Beal's, Beal's bought into this team um, for one reason or another. But um, yeah, no, basically everything you said and that like got me thinking because you know, one guy who's been at the topic of like every trade discussion is Miles Turner. Mm-hmm. And why why Miles Turner? Because like he provides this very, very rare skill set of being a paint protecting, like stretch big man. Yep. Um, you know, I feel like every team's like they kind of want how something like that. that. But, yeah, exactly. Yeah, how do we find that? But like the funny thing is like KP is doing that, and I would argue he's he's doing it better than Miles Turner right now. Agreed. Um, and it's just like, it's just funny to me how, like, like I said, like the NBA kind of like the, you know, the Pacers are like a sexy team right now. And I don't, you know, I don't blame people for thinking that they're fun. They're fast, young, but like, why isn't, why isn't KP, you know, getting that kind of discussion too, when he's producing at, at the very least at just as high of a level as Miles Turner, if not more so. I think honestly, what Porzingis gives you offensively is a little bit more diverse than what Turner mm-hmm. can give you too. I'd I agree. Mean, you know, maybe it's how they use him. Maybe he has more and we don't see it, but you had a couple of really good stats in here. So the wizards offense improves by 15.3 points when Porzingis is out there. I mean, that's, that's huge because it's just, it's so much, um, I don't know, let's say versatility that, that you can do with Porzingis that you can't have when Gafford or Tosh Gibson or somebody else is out there. And I think now that Gafford's fallen out of favor, we're going to see more Tosh Gibson and he gives you literally nothing offensively so that delta between when Porzingis is out there and when Gibson is out there I think is going to be uh, even more drastic over the season you know um speaking of the Cavs so you know when the Wizards run like that little like pin down for Chris stops where he catches the ball he'll immediately drive mm-hmm. into the paint that's like a curl cut the yep. the Cavs do something like that but they do it for guys like Donovan Mitchell exactly. and Darius Garland yeah. so it's like he can do these things it kind of reminds me you know Obviously, the this very tired comparison, but it does remind me a little bit of that man, Dirk Nowinski, yeah. the way he used to run it in the early 2000s with the Dallas Mavericks. And it's just, yeah, like you said, the, the versatility you get with Porzingis on the offensive side of the ball. Again, I don't think he's the kind of guy I've seen a couple times this season where they kind of give him the ball perimeter, let him work a little bit. I, I don't really like that too much. I don't think he's, I think that part of his game's a little bit overrated, but um, yeah, he still gives you a lot. So where would you most, okay. So, so let me just back up for you for here's how wizards fandom works. Mm-hmm. We, cla- we like latch onto one particular thing and we'll just, we'll, we'll be on one side of the issue or the other. There's no middle ground whatsoever. Maybe that's all fan bases. I don't know. It probably is. I think that's Twitter in general, but there's a lot of people that are like, Hey, we need Porzingis to stop taking so many threes. We, he's big. He's seven foot three. He should always just be around the basket. And then you have the other extreme that's like, he should never take mid-range jumpers or post-ups. He's inefficient. He should only take threes. What's the right offensive profile or shot diet from somebody like Porzingis in your mind? Like, how should they be using him to greatest effect? 
I think it's just mitigating how many dribbles he takes. I don't think he should ever take more than two dribbles. Um, I think that's the big thing. I don't I don't really mind him taking a lot of threes. I like the like I said, I like those like Blitzkrieg post ups. I like him on handoffs when he goes like QB keeper or Draymond style mm-hmm. and takes it to the rim. I like all that. I love another thing we haven't even talked about. Guy draws so many free throws. Yeah. And that's like so huge because that that is the most efficient shot in the game. Clip, yeah. yeah. He's he turns so he, I think he averages eight per um one hundred possessions so that's four like eighty five percent two pointers basically he gets you every hundred possessions which is roughly about like a game and a a quarter uh, worth of basketball but yeah so I that's kind of funny that the, there's like a, a polarity going on there a dichotomy with his like shot die because I I don't really have a problem one thing I will say I'm a little bit worried about the last two games he has been bad. struggling yeah. from the floor. And like, I'm of the camp, like, you know, keep shooting, man, you got to keep shooting. And I love his confidence, but, um, yes, that's one thing I want to work. That's like one caveat I want to put in all this, like he's shooting the three ball a lot better than he has in a long time. So like, that's gotta, you know, I'm hoping he keeps that up. Cause that's like part of the entire package, what makes him so dynamic. And he's going to have to keep doing that, you know, at least at like a, I hate to put a number on it, but like at least above like 34, 35%. If he's mid thirties, he's a real he's a real enough threat that like you mm-hmm. have to account for that. If he's twenty seven, it's like all right, let him let him heave away. I think the last two games, especially that heat game, he almost looked surprised a couple times that he got the ball with someone seven or eight inches shorter than him, if not more. And he like kind of fell into these like here's an eleven footer where he just, I should I bank it? Should I shoot it from the baseline here? Like it, it just he looked sort of out of sorts and, and we hadn't seen that much this year. He'd been really good about capitalizing on like smaller guys. So I'm assuming it was just sort of like a, you know, I'm, I'm a little out of rhythm and, and hopefully he'll kind of get that right. But to your point, I think whatever shots he can take and make at a reasonable clip you want him doing. And the more diverse things he does, the more teams have to game plan for the harder he becomes to guard, the harder they become to guard. So I'm, I'm all for whatever they want to do and whatever he thinks he's well suited to do. Yeah. And, um, another thing like with the, the, uh, the, the banking, trying to figure out like how he wants to like calibrate his jumper and whatnot. He has good touch. Like we see the free throw shooting. He's like in the low eighties. That's like a really strong indicator of good touch. Mm-hmm. So I feel like what you're saying, I didn't pick up on this when I watched the heat game, but like what you're saying is probably like correct in terms of just like him being probably like flabbergasted. Like, well, this guy's like nine inches shorter than me. Is Hayward Highsmith going to be on me here again, 10 feet from the hoop? Uh, okay. Or even like he ended up with Lowry on him twice and just mm-hmm. missed both times. It's like Lowry does that to people, man. Yeah, He, he could have been seven, seven. Lowry might've stopped him. Uh, agreed. It, yeah. Wouldn't even matter if he was under the rim. Uh, all right. Let's, let's switch over to the defense a little bit more. Again, a couple of really good stats in there. Uh, the wizards were sixth in the league at the time of, of your writing this article, which They've played a game and didn't look amazingly defensively since then, so could have slipped a little bit there. They're holding opponents to 110 points per 100 possessions, and that's top five behind Milwaukee, the Clippers, Philadelphia, Dallas, and Cleveland. Or the top five is Milwaukee, uh, the Clippers, Philadelphia, Dallas, and Cleveland. That's pretty darn good company to be in for a Wizards team that I don't think anybody uh, would have expected to be this good. And and he's kind of like we talked about already, the the biggest change in that, but you also had that, um, you know, their defense is predicated around like keeping him close to the paint and in a prime position to just contest as many of those sort of easier 
value or, you know, more valuable shot attempts that the teams want around the rim. So can you talk a little bit more just about how they're like, how they're structuring their defense to make, you know, get the most out of Porzingis. You talked about the late switching. Um, just, just what have you seen from him specifically that allows them to kind of do these different things? Again, like I said, I think the big thing is just keeping him in the paint, like close to the paint as possible. And like, he's, this is like the mark of the better, like defensive bigs is the deterrence factor. And he is like, a, he's really good at just deterring shots around the rim. Cause like, yeah, it's great if you're like good at altering shots to the rim, but it's even better if those shots never come in the first place, right. you know? And I think the Wizards were like, when I wrote the article, they were fourth in the league in opponent rim frequency, having the fourth lowest rim frequency, but they were last in the league in short mid-range frequency, meaning that like a lot of players, I'm sure this was kind of the mental calculus they were doing, you know, you get a ball screen, you start driving, you see this like lumbering giant in the paint and you're like, like yeah, I'm just going to shoot this floater and, you know, hope that it's okay. And that like, that's the difference between like, you know, say like the average floater is like 45% average rim rim shot is like 60%. You know, that's, that's 15 percentage points right there. That's huge. And that's the kind of stuff like, you know, as you go through a game, a season that, that makes the difference. And that's why like, I, you know, I, I did it partially for like a clickbaity purpose, but I really think like if he continues this kind of production, he is, you know, if not an all-star close to it, but also in my eyes, you know, this, the Wizards team best, the Wizards best player this season so far. I, I was going to take this one step further. And that's mm -hmm. again, what we as a fan base like to do is take these things to wild extremes. He's kind of doing what Brooke Lopez is doing for Milwaukee from the, I'm really big. I defend the rim, but I also shoot mm -hmm. a lot of threes, but just on the defensive side, like we're, we're hearing chatter about like Lopez being like a defensive player of the year candidate. And he took a good defense and has made them like incrementally better. Porzingis took a shit defense and has made it pretty good so far. Mm -hmm. He's never a name we're going to hear mentioned in like defensive player of the year conversations. Like, I guess, why is that? Is it an overreaction for me to think that like, he at least belongs somewhere in like that top 10 list of names that people throw out. Ah, you're getting me with this one. Um, you see, can tell me that's like, insane, by the way. It won't hurt my yeah, feelings. I don't, I, we need to see more for sure. I think if we see more, you could start to maybe, maybe think about it. I'm trying to go through like the names in my head right now where I'm like, yeah, this guy's for sure better than Porzingis. So the thing with Brooke, let's just stick with the Brooke one for a second. There is more like Brooke has mastered all the nuances of being able to like, I wrote about Brooke actually, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, but he's mastered all the nuances of being able to play the drop coverage and then also just being able to stay in the paint for as long as possible. Like, for example, uh, when they played the Brooklyn Nets, that famous game with the Steve Nash meme where he gets ejected, Jeff Van Gunny was talking on the broadcast about how Brooks like a master of, he will force referees to make that three second violation call. Cause he'll stay along there. He'll stay in there he's longer really than three seconds. Down. Yeah. He's camping there. And it's, he knows, you know, that the, the league office would call the referees and say, Hey man, you, we got to speed up the pace of play. You can't keep calling these. He knows that. So he plays into that and he forces their hand. It's just the little things like that, like navigating the two nine position, that all that stuff where I, that makes Lopez just a little bit better. I don't think Porzingis has that much nuance yet to his like defensive craft. 
Um, so I, I think it's like those little small margins, but he is like up there. Yeah, he is one of the better defensive players we have in today's game. I feel like that award is like so narrative driven and it's like it is it all of them are. Yeah, it, but like nobody knows how to really quantify defense. Mm-hmm. I feel like like most improved, it's going to be somebody whose points per game went up four or five other than like the weird jaw thing last year. But like for defense, it's it's like how people talk about you. And like you could say analytically, like somebody's really good. But eh, if there's no like national buzz around it, the guy's got no chance. And And just for me, it's like, OK, nobody talks about Washington anyway. So that's a knock. But two, like they've been so bad defensively for so long. And and this might not be real. It might not hold up. I'm just saying like, as of right now, you gotta like, he's gotta get like a little love here for like what he's done individually to just boost that up. Because that's like the most meaningful change. They're, they're not doing anything wildly different than what they tried to do last year. Just last year, they didn't have the people to do it. I will say this in, um, in like favor of, like the team, the, the supporting cast also being a part of this Wizards change. Sure. When you guys run that, like that uh, Kuzma, Denny, Kristaps, like front court, mm-hmm. when you guys deploy that, like that's a lot of length it is. on the floor. And like, I feel like part like part of the reason why you guys deter so many shots at the rim is just like when Kuzma and Denny show that length, like they like hide all the driving lanes. And it's like, yeah, I just don't have anywhere to go. So they like, you know, it's that illusion of there being no room to go. You know, they, they always talk about it, like coaches, like show your hands, show your length. It's because like you want to you wanna make the ball handler think there's actually no no pathway for them to get to the rim. Um, So I feel like part of, part of it is like, you know, this is like a nice personnel to put around KP. But um, yeah, I do agree with you on that. Like where, I mean, so I love, I love, 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 love Marcus Smart. Love the intensity he brings, right? Was he the best defender in the world last season? I, I don't think so. I, I really don't think he's the best defender on his team, to be honest. But like the way I see the defensive player of the year award is like, it's just, I don't see that as the best defender in the world. Cause I mean, it's always going to go to a big man. Cause just, cause that's the most important part of the floor. Them protecting that part, like of the geography, whatever of the court is the most important, but like, it's just like a, if you win, if you're in contention for defensive player of the of the year, we know you're like a really really good defender. That's all the only way I see it. And you know, Smart is a really really good defender. That's why you want it. And I hope like you know KP at least gets some buzz for you know an all defensive team, which will be tricky because again his position is like the best yeah, defenders that's, that's at hard. that position. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any world where he wins it, even if he keeps mm-hmm. this up for the whole year. I just want to hear like one person, like national media, be like, you know what? That Porzingis guy, he's really. I think it'll the come. Defense. I think like Zach Lowe will like pick up on it in like a <laughs> month or his, two if this continues. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I think that's our best bet, which I will mm-hmm. happily take. You mentioned the length thing. Kuzma talked about this the other night of just like, you know, hey, we're the second biggest team in the league. Mm-hmm. Please shoot over us. And I think he specifically. Is somebody that maybe, I don't know, Kuzma's defense, like I'm the world's biggest like Kuzma promoter. I don't think he's been great defensively here, but he does some of those things like you talked about. Like, he is always like showing his length to somebody, which maybe sounds bad if somebody isolated that clip, I guess. But uh, he he uses his length to deter people, I think. And guys make a lot of tough shots over him. So you look at like defensive field goal percentage. He's probably not doing that great in that regard. but. 
especially in that, like the most recent um, Sixers game that they played. Like Maxi was like trying to shoot over him and he made two threes like falling out of bounds with like Kuzma contesting but not fouling. And it's like, oh, well, he gave up two threes. It's like, yeah, but he made this guy take like an insanely tough shot and he'll never get credit for that because people sort of, I don't know, they, they look at like raw numbers for defense and it's like, well, this guy shot all of seven against someone. I guess they played great defense. Like, I don't know. I, I think he's been better defensively. Denny's obviously really good. Even Rui, I think, for a lot of the season has been kind of better than he's strong. He's he's really strong. Yeah. So you get a couple of these guards back. You get DeLon right back. Although, I guess for anybody who hasn't heard this, he's probably another month away. It sounds like Uh, they said three more weeks till he gets reevaluated. He's just going to start some on court stuff. So that's a little bit of a bummer. But uh, yeah, I mean, you had some other really good statistics in here that I, I don't think I've seen sort of out and about. Uh, the Wizards defense is over six and a half points stingier per hundred possessions when Porzingis is on the court. You really feel that watching them. Like they just seem like they're um, a lot more solid on that end. And and that's probably a lot to attribute to Gafford as well by comparison. But uh, let's transition to Denny. We've we've teased him a little bit here. Uh, you are a pro Denny guy. Uh, this is your forum to to express some love for Denny Avdia. Uh, where Where do you want to start here, Matt? Well, I've never actually talked to like uh, somebody covering the Wizards about how they feel about Denny. Because Denny's one of those guys we talked about who gets a lot of Twitter love. He's in the echo chamber. People are like, Denny's, you know, this guy, all this and that. And, you know, I watched him play the Pistons this year. I, I hadn't really watched too much Wizards in the second half of the season last year when Denny was starting yeah. starting to come into his own. But I watched him play the Pistons earlier this year. And he, he I think he blocked Cade Cunningham on a drive. I'm like, okay, I'm intrigued. Yep. And... um you know, you watch him. I, I think you're right. Like, I think every game they put him on the best perimeter player. And there's just some times where it shouldn't like work out. Like, like Ja, when they had Ja on him, Ja was just too fast for him. It's not fair. He's it's too, not fair. He's to too fast like, for a lot oh, of guys. He got torched. Yeah. It's like, no mm-hmm. shit. He torches everybody. Every, every, every defender in the NBA has bad matchups, like just bad, like body types that work against them. Even Marcus Smart, he does poorly against guys like Ja because they're like too quickly for him, but too quick for him. Not, not Emmanuel quickly. Um, <laughs> Who I also like. Yeah, so so obviously the defense like is is really good. But the thing that like really dawned on me about Denny, I know the shooting thing, it's gonna be something that needs to be worked on. But this guy is so damn confident in like so I'm a I'm a Pistons fan, right? I live in Michigan. The big thing with Killian, Killian's a very similar kind of player to Denny, where it's like a really good defensive player, really good pass, really good passer, right? But like both of them in the shooting is like weird. But the difference is like, you know, up until a couple of weeks ago, Killian was very, very docile. There would be times where he'd drive and like he wouldn't even be looking at the rim like that. You knew it was going to be a pass. Whereas Denny, like he's fearless. He reminds me a little bit of, um, you know, I studied him this summer pretty in-depthly. Obviously, this play, if Denny ever became this player, you guys would be the happiest people on earth. But he reminds me a little bit of Andre Kirilenko just in the, the conviction he plays with. I think like He's like one of the, you know, they talk about the 0.5 role, right? He's always making decisions 0.5 seconds. You'll never see him like, maybe like Kuzma might over dribble a little bit. Denny never does that. He's a really good passer for somebody who's not a good like playmaker because of his scoring. Mm-hmm. And then, like I said, he's fearless. He'll go to the rim on anybody. He's not like, he's an inefficient guy, but he's, he's also not like just running away from shots. That's just my read on him. Is that like where you stand on him? I think that's how I feel about him 75% of the time. Okay. But he seems to get into these like funks where like 
he'll miss one or two gimmies and then like you can see like things bog down mentally a mm. little bit more so last year i think it's been a lot better this year especially after like the first week week and a half of the season last year there was like honestly like a 10 game stretch where it was almost as likely that he would like like brick a wide open layup than it was to like make one this year he's like fuck it i'm gonna finish strong and if he misses it so be it he still missed more than you would like to see but to your right to your point i, I think he's um he's definitely had like more conviction about it like i'm going to take this one this is not it's not predetermined that i'm going to dump this off at the first opportunity and he's like a good enough free throw shooter and stuff like but that's that's worth it like you know for for him to take it and if there is a right read he'll usually make it so i think that's his biggest thing is like if he can shoot enough to like make people respect him as a driver he'll make these like really good passes and reads it's just the shooting comes and goes he's had like a couple weeks stretch here where like it's been better i think and it's also been somebody's created better looks for him that's that's the other thing like i shit on denny because of like the layups and stuff like that I'm not too worried about like three point shooting because rarely has somebody created like good shots for him. He's had to take like a lot of like contested threes and and that's not really what you want from a guy like Denny if you can help it. They've been doing like more Kuzma Denny together as like part of that bench unit. I know they're both starters, but like when when Beal and Porzingis come off the court, the two of them seem to stay out there more. And you've got Rui spacing the floor, now you've got Kispert to space the floor a little bit. Like Kuzma's been the one that seems to look for Denny in those situations. And and Denny seems to return the favor and look for Rui. And like their little three-man game has been like a, a real treat for fans. And I don't think it's a thing we think we've seen enough of. Yeah. And that was like one thing, like not to deviate too much from the uh from the subject here, but that's like my one big concern with this Wizards team. Like I really I like the idea of the Beal, Kisper, Denny, uh Kuzma, Porzingis starting lineup you guys had on Sunday. Like I like that length. I like I like all those guys. Love Kispert's motor, by the way, and the headband. But great um, hair. he has I, great hair. Yeah, awesome hair, buddy. Just like I wonder about the creation thing because, like, I like this new version of Beal, who's like off ball slashing again, kind of like the the John Wall days of Beal. But then who's like who's your your dent creator, your playmaker? Like I saw Denny bringing the ball up a lot, and I like that for his development. I like him getting the reps. Sure. But like right now. I see this team as a team that could like, you know, contend for a playoff spot, be in a playoff series. But like, I just worry about that, that part, who's going to be your advanced creator. And also my other thing is like, and I don't know how you feel about him, but I, I really don't like Morris in the starting lineup. I, I feel like he's, he's better as like that steadying force in the agreed. second unit. Um, but that, that's just my read on all of it. I, I totally agree. I think Morris and Goodwin have been really good in like mm -hmm. bench units together. Like obviously it's kind of a small backcourt, but it's less of an issue when you're playing against, you know, subs basically. Uh, and his shooting's good enough that it lets like Goodwin drive and, and they kind of open things up for each other. When Morris is out there as a starter, it's just such a disadvantage defensively. And I think Beal, you know, when he's guarding somebody's point guard, he, he's not like going to deter anybody from from taking shots, but he's he's big enough. He's got enough length. He's he's quick enough to just kind of like force him to other tall, long guys and and just, you know, kind of play them for the play them for the shot a little bit more. So I, I like that, too. They've been doing a lot of like point Kuzma, point Beal, even some point Denny. And it's OK. But it, when that bogs down is like the last five minutes, Beal somehow forgets how to dribble in the final five minutes of every game. And when people really lock down, like that's when we get like turnover prone Kuzma. And 
Uh, everybody shits on Kuzma for like playing with like way too many turnovers. It's like you've asked a six foot ten guy to be your point guard. Like he's gonna make some great reads. He's also gonna get stripped sometimes, especially when like people are forcing him to shoot or he's playing with guys that they don't have as much spacing. So uh, they need a they need a real upgrade at the point guard position. And maybe Delon Wright is enough. Like he'll just defend and shoot well enough, and that's okay. But he's also not like getting into the teeth of the defense and like really creating for people either. So I think that's the best position they could upgrade at. Yeah. Cause I really like, I know I was just looking at PVP stats a little while ago. Their net rating is plus 13 when Beal, Kuzma, Denny, KP share the floor. And if you could just take like, you know, unless Kispert wants to develop into like some crazy advantage creator, then by all means, but if you could just like take him and put like, even like a, I'm going to make this joke. Um, cause I know how wizards fans kind of feel about his tenure, but like, even if you had like a Spencer Dinwiddie level creator, like that would be, that'd be really nice right there. You know what I mean? But, um, that's just my vibe with the team. And I feel like that's part of the reason going back to what you said with Denny about why, like so many of his threes are, you know, contested. Yeah. Th- there's gotta be some way to get like easier offense for this group, especially mm-hmm. in like the final couple minutes of a game. And, and they've like made these things tough for themselves down the stretch because it's just a lot of like, okay, who wants to take it? Who is going to take a tough jump shot? And Porzingis the last couple of games hasn't been making those, but but he had been one of the guys to like help, like, you know, close these things out. So that's what they're going to have to figure out. I don't know how they do that. Maybe it's just these guys all getting more reps together. To your point about Kispert, he's been awesome offensively, especially, and he's been serviceable enough defensively mm-hmm. the last week or so since, you know, being back. But he looks terrified to dribble in the final like five minutes of a game. And and like Wizards fans, especially the pro Corey crowd are going to talk about like he attacks close out so well. But if you notice in the last couple minutes of games when he's out there, that happens a lot less. And and I kind of don't blame him. You know, you don't have the reps or the confidence doing that yet. So maybe that improves with time, too. But uh, yeah, I, I don't think you want him like breaking down anybody on the perimeter as uh, your your fourth quarter offense. So they're going to have to figure some stuff out there. Uh, Matt, I think that's kind of all I had for you here. This was great. We talked about arguably the two best uh, defenders on the Wizards, which is cool because I know it's probably been 10 years since we'd had a good defender period. So to have two of them on, on one team is uh, is pretty great. Anything else you want to throw out here that you've noticed about uh, Wizards in, in your time watching um, and, and studying on Porzingis? Just one one more question I had for you. Do you where are, where are you at, like, Danny long-term? Like, do you see him as one of the torchbearers, like in the post-Beal? era of wizards basketball to me like denny is a really good like five through seven guy on a good Mm -hmm. team i I don't think i think he can be a really valuable role player for somebody i don't know that i see him with much more upside than that but being a super role players i mean every team needs that right so i I think he Mm -hmm. makes a good amount of sense for this group i think he'd make even more sense if we had sort of that upgraded point guard that we're, that we're talking about here. So uh, I don't know. A lot of what they've asked him to do in like has not been fair to him. We talked about him having to guard like quicker guards. That's not really fair to him. I think he's been best when he's guarding like bigger, more physical guys. Like he guarded Giannis particularly well, which a lot of teams don't well. He's guarded Tatum pretty well to the point where like the Celtics immediately are trying to switch that matchup up, which I don't, I don't blame them. But now I think we're seeing him in like a better context and he looks more comfortable. Uh, so, you know, I don't know. I think he's, he's sort of team dependent and fit dependent the way he plays and what he brings to the table. If the shooting really comes around, 
Uh, that that changes a lot too, though. I think I don't know. How about how about you? Do you think there's more ceiling than than what I just laid out, or or where are you at with him? If he could be, I love this guy, and they have different like play styles, but like similar kind of like super role player impact. If he could be as good as like Jared Vanderbilt or Alex Caruso, I feel like that'd be a really awesome outcome for him. The one I always use is Kyle Anderson, you know, from like last mm-hmm. year's Memphis team of just like big, probably a little bit better suited to guard fours, but you're not terrified if he has to guard somebody more out on the perimeter and he can do some of that like secondary tertiary creation stuff. Um, but the shooting is going to be the swing skill. When Anderson's been good, he's a 38% three-point shooter. When he's been bad, he's been 30%. And I think that that weirdly makes a difference. Uh, Matt, anything else you have coming up that you're writing about that, that you want to uh, shout out here to fans that we can keep an eye on? Yeah, um, I actually have a busy front half of my week. I had the KP article come out Monday. Today, as we're recording, I have, so it's Tuesday, PJ Washington article coming out. And then tomorrow, Wednesday, I'm going to have a, an article over at SB Nation about the Sacramento Kings offense, everybody's favorite team now. So that's my week. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, though, to find out about all this stuff. At um, MattIsa15, that's at M-A-T-I-S-S-A-15. But yeah, that's the best place to find me and my work. And we'll we'll put all that in the episode description here, and I'll tweet all that stuff out too. Matt does an amazing job of keeping track of all of the NBA teams. I can barely keep track of one, so I'm always incredibly impressed about. Well, I lean on podcasts like this one to to help fill me in on the gaps. We appreciate that. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, and Matt, you do some cool video stuff too. I I like I'm too stupid to put video clips in articles, so I'm I'm always. Um, appreciative when somebody can help a visual learner like myself with, with some of that stuff. So keep up the good work. Thank you. Thank you. I, I don't think you're, you're stupid at all. I, I think you're very smart, man. I work in a tech development and prototyping <laughs> office in my day job, but I am not tech savvy when it comes to putting uh, like videos into articles, which is embarrassing to me, uh, but that's okay. That's all right. We all have to lean into our strengths. Uh, Matt, thank you again. As always, this has been Believe in Wizards. Please rate, review, subscribe. And we were presented by betonline.ag. We'll catch you next time. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube